This episode is brought to you by the Italian Wine Academy, teaching WSET levels 1, 2, and 3 in English, right here in Verona, the home of the Italian Wine Podcast. Want to become part of the international wine sector? Need a worldwide recognized certification? Don't know where to start? You can easily complete our courses while you enjoy the fun and excitement of Verona. Make your vacation good value for money by adding a wine certificate to your souvenirs. Visit our website at italianwineacademy.org for more information and sign up today to start your personal adventure in global wine education. Welcome to Jumbo Shrimp Wine Study Maps. We have specially created this free content for all our listeners who are studying for wine exams. This has been a journey of development since Stevie Kim discovered Rosie Baker's hand-drawn maps on Instagram through two years of work by our in-house editorial and graphics team, and now the maps are available to purchase in beta form while they undergo the final proofing and editing by our expert advisory board. It's a three-layered project because we know everyone learns differently. We now offer the complete box set of 39 maps, this series of podcasts with the maps narrated by our crack team of wine educators, and finally, the study guide book, which will be published later this year. Our map project is in no way a substitute for the material set out by other educational organizations, but we hope all the wine students out there will find our map project a new, exciting, and useful tool for learning. For more information and to buy the maps, please visit our website at mamajumboshrimp.com. Wine production has had a long history in Spain with evidence dating as far back as 5,000 years ago. Since then, Spain has had a rich and tumultuous history with wine. Currently, Spain is experiencing exciting developments in wine with a focus on its indigenous grape varieties. As expected from such a large traditional wine-producing country, Spain has a wealth of local and indigenous grapes that have characteristics that make them suitable to the regions that they're grown in. For example, in northwest Spain, the grape Albariño is particularly well suited to its cool and relatively damp climate with its thick skins and its resistance to disease. So let's dive into the key black varieties of Spain's Mediterranean regions. Garnacha is known as Grenache in France and is the third most planted black grape in Spain. It is made in a variety of styles, from easy drinking fruity wines to concentrated, age-worthy wines, to rosados. It is useful in blends because of its charming fruity character, but also appears as varietal bottlings. It is also a later ripening grape. Tempranillo is Spain's most planted black grape. It goes by several synonyms and is made as single varietal bottlings as well as in blended wines. It also can be made in a range of styles, from inexpensive fruity wines to more serious and age-worthy wines. It is an earlier ripening grape and tends to do better with warm climates that have a cooling influence so that it can extend its period of ripening and develop complex aromas and flavors. Carniana is otherwise known as Carnian or Masuelo in Rioja. Carniana has a key role in blends by lending its high acidity, tannins, color and alcohol to the final wine blend. It is a late ripening grape and as such likes very warm environments. It is also an enthusiastic producer of fruit and needs to have its yields curbed to encourage its proper ripening. Monastrel, otherwise known as Mouvedre in France, is another grape that needs heat to fully ripen. 
Some say that this grape likes to have its head in the sky and its feet in the ocean, which seems to describe its location on the Mediterranean coast of southeast Spain. It is also a very late ripener, which is well suited to its warm growing environment there. Monastrel is a tannic variety and can accumulate high sugar levels leading to wines with high alcohol. International varieties are more important in some regions than others. We will talk about the roles of Cabernet Sauvignon and Merlot in the next sections. Spain is a large country with vast differences in growing conditions depending on where you are in the country. Let's look at some of the regions and see how climate and other factors influence the wines. First, we will head to Catalonia in the northeast corner of Spain. The climate is generally warm Mediterranean, but of course being a large area, there are variations due to two main influencing factors, the Mediterranean Sea and altitude. Areas closer to the Mediterranean will have warmer growing conditions, but altitude will provide cooling influences. Let's use Penedès as an example. This DO has three zones or tiers where wine is produced. First, there's a strip of land along the Mediterranean and the climate is warm here. But moving to the next tier, more inland and a bit higher, the heat is less pronounced. The highest tier is located on some inland mountains, so there is a cooling influence and a wide diurnal range at night. So in this deal, we will find a wide variety of grapes grown to reflect such diverse growing conditions. Most of the white grapes are used here for cava production. We also will find significant plantings of international varieties here. Let's move south and inland of Penedes, where we will find Priorat. Priorat is a DOQ, which is the Catalan term for DOCA. Only Priorat and Rioja are designed or designated with this top tier in the DOP quality pyramid. Priorat wines are complex, concentrated, and always expensive. Let's find out why by taking a quick look at the climate and growing factors here. Firstly, the wine growing area is on inland hills with altitudes up to 750 meters, which can give relatively more acidity and tannins to wines. Next, let's see what factors can lead to the concentration in the wines. Some vines are very old. They are planted on slopes and soils are poor. There's also low rainfall. All of these factors will contribute to naturally low yields, which can result in concentrated wines. Keep in mind that a favorite exam question about Priorat is about its special soils, called licorela, which has layers of red slate with particles of mica that sparkle and reflect back heat to the vines. Vine roots are able to penetrate deep into these soils and thus access the deeper water table. Priorat wines are made from Garnacha and Carniena, with some producers blending in some Cabernet Sauvignon. Let's move further down the Mediterranean coast to the Levante. It is even warmer here than in Catalonia, but the coastal breezes will bring some relief to parts of Valencia. There are also some higher altitude sites in all three DOs here. Rainfall is low here, but another example where soils and vines work in tandem, there are limestone-based soils here in Humia that act as a sponge to retain water. But irrigation is widely used in this area. Monastrel is the main grape planted, with most wines made as inexpensive bottlings, but with some premium bottlings from Humia too. We can also make the logical connection between grape and climate here, since Monastrel requires heat and ripens very late in the season, so this is a perfect spot for it to grow. Some whites are also grown in Valencia, 
with an interesting sweet wine made from Muscat of Alexandria. The wine is aptly named Muscatel di Valencia and is made by adding grape spirit to the unfermented grape must. We are now going to move into the interior of Spain to Castilla-La Mancha. This area is responsible for almost half of Spain's wine production, which should signal to us that the grape Airen is planted here. Airen is the fourth most planted variety in the world, and here it is used to make somewhat neutral wine and also brandy production. It is one of the few white varieties that can tolerate the extreme heat and drought conditions here. Tempranillo is the most planted black grape, known as Sensibel here, and is made in a fruity style wine. The Dios of La Mancha and Valdepeñas occupy this vast inland plateau, about 500 to 700 meters high. Here we have an extreme example of a continental climate. Summers are extremely hot, with temperatures reaching 45 degrees Celsius, and winters getting as cold as minus 20. It is extremely dry, and even though there is limestone in the base soils to retain water, irrigation is very important. So it seems like an unlikely place for viticulture, but vines are planted at very low density so that they don't compete with each other for scarce water and nutrients. This is a key factor that makes viticulture possible in such an extreme environment. Vast amounts of inexpensive and bulk wine is made here, but there are also wines on the opposite end of the quality spectrum. As such, this area is home to more than half of the wines that qualify for the Vino de Pago classification. About 20 wines in Spain have received this status and are qualified to add this term to wine labels. Thank you for listening to Italian Wine Podcast. We know there are many of you listening out there, so we just want to interrupt for a small ask. Italian Wine Podcast is in the running for an award, the best podcast listening platform through the Podcast Awards, The People's Choice. Listener nominations is from July 1st to the 31st, and we would really appreciate your vote. We are hoping our listeners will come through for us. So if you have a second and could do this small thing for us, just head to italianwinepodcast.com from July 1st to the 31st and click the link. We thank you and back to the show. Now, before we move up to the north of Spain, let's point out some key grape varieties found there. In the white grape category, Riera has dual roles in the north. It is a component of cava production, known as Macabeo in Catalonia. And Viera is the dominant white grape of Rioja. Its claim to fame is that it could be made in a range of styles. More on that later. Verdejo is important in Rueda and is also made in a range of styles. In northwest Spain, Abrino is the dominant white grape. Now in the red category, we already mentioned Tempranillo, Garnacha, and Cerniana. Graziano is a black grape used in the Rioja blend lending high acidity, tannins, and black fruit flavors. Mencia is the key black grape of Bierzo, characterized by high acidity, medium tannins, and light to fuller-bodied wines. Let's start our exploration of northern Spain by heading to the northwest corner. Rias Baixas is Spain's most westerly dio. This dio could not be more different than La Mancha. Notably, its main climatic influence is the Atlantic Ocean, which provides a maritime climate. 
This means the ocean moderates temperatures that make for warm summers and mild winters. It also brings high rainfall. The main growing hazard here is rot and mildew as a result of the wet environment. To combat this, vines are traditionally planted on high pergolas to allow for more air circulation and lessen the threat of disease. Albariño is the main grape of Ria Spicius and is well suited to the damp environment with its thick skins that help protect it from disease. Even the free draining soils work in tandem with the climate. Mostly varietal Albariño wines are made here in fresh and fruity styles. Just inland is Bierzo, where red wines are made from Menthia. Being further from the Atlantic, its summers are a bit warmer for this early to mid-ripening grape. Grapes are grown on the flat plain or slopes, thus making wines that are fruitier and less structured, or more elegant structured wines from those higher plantings. Now we could head into the Duero Valley, a high plateau with the Duero River winding through it. The regions here have a continental climate. Toro, D.O., has hot summers, but also cool nights to preserve acidity levels in the grapes. Wines are mostly Tempranillo, with Garnacha often blended in. Wine styles here are full-bodied and intense. Next to Toro is Rueira Dio, which focuses on white production. We can find fresh and fruity wines based on Verdejo, with some Sauvignon Blanc that can be blended in. Varietal wines from either grape can also be made. Moving further inland, we come to Ribera del Duero, D.O., with its recent history of high-quality Tempranillo production. It is slightly hotter and slightly higher in altitude than neighboring Toro and Rueda. As such, spring frosts can be a serious problem here. Wines can be full-bodied with new oak flavors, but can have high acidity as a result of the higher altitude and cool nights. The use of French oak is increasing. Rosé wines are also made here, but it's less important than red wine production. Moving northeast from Rivera del Duero, we get to the region of Rioja. Let's start by dividing Rioja into its three subregions. Each subregion has different growing conditions due to different factors. The smallest subregion is Rioja Alavesa, located in the northwest. It is characterized by its higher altitude and cooler, wetter growing conditions. Just under Rioja Alavesa is Rioja Alta. This is a large subzone with lower altitudes, but has higher altitude areas in the northwest corner and along the southern edge. As you can see on the map, Rioja Alavesa and Rioja Alta are closer to cool Atlantic influences, although the mountains there act to block much of the worst weather. To the east, we find the Rioja Oriental subzone. It has the warmest and driest conditions in Rioja. The land is relatively open here, and although it is far from the Mediterranean Sea, it receives some warming influence from it. Now let's connect our subzones to the black grapes of Rioja. Tempranillo is well suited to the cooler areas of Rioja, where it is able to ripen and produce wines with finesse. The next most planted grape is Garnacha. It needs a warm climate to fully ripen, and it could tolerate drought. Therefore, Rioja Oriental is a logical place to plant Garnacha. Garnacha adds ripe red-berried fruit flavors and body to Rioja blends. Graciano needs a warm location to grow and can lend high acidity, 
black fruit flavors and tannin to the blend. And lastly, masuedo, otherwise known as carniena, can contribute high acidity too. We can add one more note about the wide range of growing conditions in Rioja that can result in different expressions of wine. In the past, growers tended to blend wines from the different areas of Rioja to create a certain intended style of wine. Only recently has there been a push to make a bottling that expressed a specific subregion or a municipality or even a single vineyard. And in 2017, a new classification was approved that allows growers to show this specific origin of the grapes. Red wine production here in Rioja can vary considerably, but the traditional styles to mature wines in American oak, or French oak or European oak, as we see lots of nowadays. The length of time for oak maturation is the basis of the traditional aging categories here. Young Crianza wines have a one-year requirement for aging in barrel, while Grand Reserva wines require two years minimum aging in barrel. Notably, the requirements for barrel maturation is higher here in Rioja than for the standard categories of aging in Spain, as we can see on this map. Alongside the traditional style of red winemaking in Rioja, other styles are made, ranging from fruity early drinking wines made with semi-carbonic maceration to heavily extracted styles that are deeply colored, more structured, with deeper fruit character, and everything in between them too. White wines are also produced in Rioja, just in smaller quantities than red. As mentioned, the dominant grape is Biura, but can include up to eight of the approved white varieties. Traditionally, white Rioja was made with lots of barrel maturation to make deep golden wines with nutty aromas and flavors. But a fresh style is also made using stainless steel to heighten the fruit character of these wines. There are also styles in between. Now to Navarra Dio, directly northeast of Rioja Dioca. It stretches into the Pyrenees Mountains, making for cooler and wetter conditions closer to those mountains. But Navarra covers a large area, and growing conditions vary accordingly. The northern part experiences some influence from the Atlantic, while the southeastern part experiences some influence from the Mediterranean. Most of the production in Navarra are red wines, made with Tempranillo. Rosé wine can be made from Garnacha, and these are also important for the region. Rosé bottlings generally have deeper color from more color extraction and higher acidity from harvesting these grapes early. Lastly, let's head back inland to Canyana Dio and Calatayu Dio. If we use all that we've learned so far about climate factors in Spain, we can correctly guess that the climate is warm continental here, with hot summers and low precipitation. The Dios are mostly located on a raised plateau. Therefore, there is a wide diurnal range here that will help preserve acidity in the grapes and slow down the ripening process. Gardenacha is the most planted grape and is traditionally trained as bush vines, a typical vine training method of hot, arid growing areas in southern Mediterranean regions. Vines are also planted with very, very low densities, so that each vine has maximum chance of capturing all the available water in the surrounding soil. Wine production here is mainly focused on high-volume and expensive bottlings, but there are some old vine garnacha plantings that prompted some producers to make more serious styles of wine that display concentrated fruit and spice. 
Thanks for listening to this episode of Italian Wine Podcast, brought to you by Italian Wine Academy, offering WSET levels 1, 2, and 3 in English. Visit our website at italianwineacademy.org for more information and sign up today to start your personal adventure in global wine education right here in the heart of Verona. Remember to subscribe and like Italian Wine Podcast and catch us on SoundCloud, Spotify, and wherever you get your pods. You can also find our entire back catalog of episodes at italianwinepodcast.com. Ching ching! I'm Joy Livingston, and I am the producer of the Italian Wine Podcast. Thank you for listening. We are the only wine podcast that has been doing a daily show since the pandemic began. This is a labor of love, and we are committed to bringing you free content every day. Of course, this takes time and effort, not to mention the cost of equipment, production, and editing. We would be grateful for your donations, suggestions, requests, and ideas. For more information on how to get in touch, go to italianwinepodcast.com.